<laughs> it was a weekend light on goals, but heavy on monumental results as both the regular season title and playoff race got even tighter in the Canadian Premier League. I'm Mitchell Tierney. That is Charlie O'Connor-Clark. And inexplicably, after we mimicked the Jose Escalante celebration there again, we've been invited back to host a second straight <laughs> week of the CanPL Newsroom podcast. But while there were not many goals this weekend, there were some very important ones. And in a half hour or so, we'll be joined by the man who scored perhaps the most crucial goal of the weekend, valid defender Rocco Romeo, to discuss a huge home win for the Winnipeggers. But let's look back quickly at the results from this weekend in the CPL after another lengthy weather delay at Spruce Meadows. Calvary were able to pick up a 1-0 victory over York United, courtesy of a goal from Jose Escalante, as we just showed you to move up uh, into second in the table. Later on Saturday, Atletico Ottawa on Forge played a 0-0 draw in the nation's capital, which keeps Atleti top of the table. And then on Sunday, Valor, they pick up a huge 1-0 win over Pacific on that aforementioned goal from Rocco Romeo. And we finished off the weekend with a banger in Edmonton as the Eddies. Uh, they picked up a 3-2 victory over the Halifax Wanderers, courtesy of a brace from Tobias Warshevsky. Azriel Gonzalez also scored for the Eddies in that match, while Sam Salter, and an unfortunate own goal from an excellent Darlington Marissa Ranwa, made up the scoring for the visitors. Charlie, uh, I guess what's your biggest takeaway from uh, you know another hectic weekend of the Canadian Premier League? Yeah, it was it was another interesting one. Valor is probably the the big story of the weekend, as we'll get to later. They're uh, they're not dead yet. They're not tapping out on this season. They're getting closer. Uh, but also just a great day for FC Edmonton. I think yesterday as well, because it's always 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 nice to see you know teams rewarded for good performances and and to see a good crowd in Edmonton get rewarded for coming out to support that team. Yeah, it had been a while since they've been back there, so um, yeah. a special moment certainly for Edmonton and. Um, a historic week for for our league um, and the sport in this country is Mark Noonan was named the Canadian Premier League's second ever commissioner as well as the CEO of Canadian soccer business. He joins the league with a wealth of experience, including time spent as the chief marketing officer for the United States Soccer Federation. He was a key part of that very successful 1999 Women's World Cup. He was also one of the key builders of Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing that helped help transform, you know, really the business and, and marketing component of soccer in this region. And more recently, he was the CEO of Accra Hearts of Oak in Ghana. So he's got experience running individual clubs as well. Um, let's take a look now at Noonan's first visit to the CPL office and his initial thoughts from this past week. World headquarters. World headquarters. Love it. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I'm Mark. Oliver, nice to meet you, Oliver. Oliver. How's it going? Hey, I'm Mark. Yeah. Nice to meet you. They're going to be following you around. All right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, we'll keep you entertained, maybe a little bit. I grew up playing in the shadows of New York. We were all inspired by the NASL, which is no longer with us. It was the predecessor to Major League Soccer. So cool. I love it. And I was fortunate to grow up in an area era where the Cosmos signed these incredible players, uh, Pele. Franz Beckenbauer, Giorgio Canaglia. Not only that, but we also, um, they signed players from our local town. So I had role models of guys that I grew up idolizing in my town. And uh, it was just a great, it was a great soccer environment to grow up with. Want me here? In the big one. My experience was with, with soccer uh, and, and in sports is that it, it it, it doesn't matter where you're from. When you're on the same team, you're on the same field, you're just one. And you know, to be able to uh, celebrate that, uh, that, that connection of people from different backgrounds is something that we need, need more of. And I, I can't wait to use uh, the CPL as a platform to celebrate the, you know, the, the diversity within us, but also the connection that we have uh, through soccer. and. Um, it's one of the, 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 the great things that sport can do for its communities. That's what's, that's what's exciting because the talent is here, the infrastructure is here, and there, there's nothing holding us back uh, to, to creating a great soccer nation. And of course, Mark Noonan was in attendance in the nation's capital with for a top-of-the-table clash between Atletico Ottawa and Forge FC. Uh, going into the weekend, they were 
Uh, first was Ottawa, second was Forge. So a very big match. And this was a match that felt like a cup final. And if you've ever watched a cup final in soccer, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, a glowing indictment of what the game was, <laughs> as it was, it was cagey. It was two sides that really, really didn't want to make any major mistakes. Um, and they really didn't over the course of 90 minutes, you know, a, a game between two very good sides defensively, the two best defensive sides in the league. And that's really what ultimately won out on this day for, for Forge and uh, Atletico Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. Just two teams that know how close things are and how high the stakes are in a game like this. And as you said, didn't want to make a mistake. I think maybe that's something that comes a little bit more from Atletico Ottawa than from Forge. They seem to maybe set the tone for this game a little bit more. They kind of played it on their terms at home a little bit, especially having you know, been kind of kind of thrashed by Forge last time they were in Ottawa, right? That 4-0 game just a few weeks ago. Uh, but Ottawa definitely came into this game hoping to make it, you know, a little bit more locked down, a little bit more congested. Neither side was really able to get runners in behind or or find those kind of really dangerous touches in a box that they would have wanted. Um, even, even in transition, that wasn't really as much of an option as sometimes it is for both of these teams playing against, you know, other opponents. But... Yeah, I think it, it's, at the end of the day, a really, really good defensive performance from Ottawa, which is quite common. Obviously, they've you know, kind of developed a reputation for that. And for Forge's side, just another bit of a frustrating one. They're, I guess, winless in three now. And uh, you know, as, as Bobby Smirniota said, I think we might hear from him in a bit, but kind of playing at, at 50% capacity at the moment, a bit, of a, a bit of a lull in their season after you know, some very good results earlier in August. Yeah, I think there's definitely more positives to take out of this if you're Ottawa than if you're Forge. And again, as you mentioned, one of the big ones, you know, is is reversing the result that was the last time they came there. But this was a different defensive tact, I think we saw from Atletico Ottawa than maybe we've seen against uh, Forge and even the week before against Cavalry. And and one of the things that Gonzalez mentioned going into this game was they did have more time to rest. They had more time to maybe be a little more active. And we saw that they got on the ball a lot more in this game and defended in the way that we've seen maybe Forge defend a lot more in the sense that they had the ball. They were very smart in the areas they got it into. They didn't allow Forge to, to turn it over. And then sometimes even when they did, you know, Forge were so desperate to get things going forward that they rushed their passes and Ottawa were able to, mm -hmm. to just regain it and, and turn it the other way on the counter press. So um, it was it was a bit of a new look from from Atletico Ottawa, and that was you know exciting as we see the maybe next evolution of this team going into you know what we what is looking more and more like a playoff appearance for for Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting that they maybe played a bit of a higher line, which can sometimes be pretty dangerous against Forge, and as a bit of a you know, a risky thing to do in a game like this, especially playing at home. But yeah, Ottawa kind of wanted to play out of the back a little bit more. They wanted to maybe just force Forge backwards a little bit more with the ball, kind of play a little bit, you know, defending with the ball again, which is something that we've spoken about that Forge liked to do. And it didn't necessarily turn into a lot of attacking play or, or massive chances or, or things like that. But I think there's a lot of positives that they're able to shut down, you know, one of the, the most talented and deepest attacks in the CPL. So I think, as you said, there's definitely more positives to come out of this game for Ottawa than there are for Forge. I feel like we subconsciously say the word massive so much when we're talking about Ottawa. <laughs> Did I say it again? Oh, oh yeah, you slipped in a few there without <laughs> even realizing. I mean, I mean, I know it's a word that's just generally in our you know lexicon, but that's a. <laughs> it always seems to happen. Um, you know, let's let's hear from Carlos Gonzalez because he had some some thoughts on this match. Well, I think that we did a quite complete game. I think that the, maybe the first 20, 25 minutes were a little bit the worst of the team. But since the, the last 15 minutes of the first half, I, I felt that we were given a good level. In certain moments of the second half, we were dominant against a dominant team. We take them the ball. So, you know, I'm not happy because we didn't win today. But, you know, uh, the reality is that it's not a bad point and that uh, the image uh, that the team gave this night was was a good image. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, building on that, Zachariah Bahus, you know, as a player who is very important for, for Atletico Ottawa down the stretch here as they try to pick up those U21 minutes. And, and he's been a guy who, you know, has really sort of as a result of that, but also as a result of his play, been an important player for Ottawa. Let's hear his thoughts on this match. 
Every game that we play, uh, we approach it with um, the mentality to try to get three points always. Uh, as you can see from the beginning of the season, we're trying to play to finish at the top of the table. And obviously in games like those uh, that you saw today, uh, obviously one point is good, but it's frustrating because we're trying to get three points every time. Uh, so now it's time to, uh, I guess, reset and focus on Friday to get three points. Charlie, you alluded to the Bobby Spuniotis quote um, saying that Forge were maybe at 50% capacity in this game. He felt, I, I asked Kyle Becker directly that question, you know, what did, what did Bobby mean when he said you guys were at 50% capacity? And the way he took it was, we didn't make nearly enough runs in behind. We were kind of lazy in our attacking yeah. play. Um, we weren't direct enough. You know, Forge had, we're 0 for 10 on open play crosses in this match. And I don't think that was the deliveries. I think that had a lot more to do with the players being willing to get stuck in and get into those areas. With Tristan Borges out in this match, you know, this, uh, due, to, sorry, due to suspension, this was another match where, you know, I think we kind of start to wonder what Forge's best attacking unit looks like because I'm not sure Taron Campbell is completely um, at his best out wide. You know, I we saw... Kwasi Poku get a get a chance up there on the left wing. You know he didn't maybe have his best performance either. It seems like they maybe haven't found their best attacking unit yet. I know they've scored way more goals than anyone in the league, so you know that's that's it's not necessarily the biggest concern. But at the same time, you know this is something that they're going to want to figure out, especially you know in a one-off game type situation if they can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Like you need to know which is the front three that you want to start a playoff game. And I mean, Forge are in a position where they can bring on an entirely new front three in the 60th minute or so and just have that extra energy. But yeah, there's something a little that was a little bit maybe inefficient from them. It's partly due to, to Ottawa's defensive solidity and how you know, well they held their shape. But you know, it stands out to me, Ottawa has 39 entries into the final third in this game and they are 25 touches in a box. Forge yeah. of 77 final third entries and 13 touches in the box. Like that's, that's kind of showing you just how much, yeah, how much less efficient Forge were when they did get into the attacking areas. And exactly as Kyle Becker would have mentioned, there's none of those runs in behind to kind of get past the, that, that kind of back four that Ottawa or back five that Ottawa was playing with and, and, you know, find those, those dangerous pockets where Forge's kind of wingers and, and maybe their striker can, really get on the ball and challenge the goalkeeper. So I think that's probably something that they're going to be maybe focusing on in these couple of days. I know they have a, a busy schedule coming up as well. So they'll kind of have to sort it out in match situations rather than on the training pitch. Yeah. And we'll get into that busy schedule shortly, but uh, before we do, let's hear from Forge FC head coach, Bobby Spuniotis. Maybe not a lot of uh, clear cut uh, attacking opportunities, uh, but a lot of hard work from, from both teams. Um, you saw a team in Ottawa that uh, I think put their, their best effort forward, uh, not only off the ball, which they've been good, but also on the ball um, today. Uh, for us, a little bit slow in the, in the first half in our motions and, and how we wanted to, to get about the field, and that picked up for us in the second half where I thought we were a lot better. Yeah, I think we, we definitely do have to mention one thing before we, um, you know, move on from this game. And that was, you know, Forge did actually score in this game. Um, it, or at least it looked like that from the camera angles with uh, with Kyle Becker's long shot. You saw that probably in the highlights uh, off the top if you're watching on YouTube. Um, it, it, you know, certainly a difficult moment for, for them and obviously, you know, disappointing. But at the same time, as you mentioned, you know, they really didn't do much. That, that was their only real shot. I think Rezart Rama had the only official shot on target, which was, I think, a cross he was trying to play from outside the box that found its way through. So it wasn't like they created a you know crazy amount of chances to, um, you know, honest, obviously, like earn another goal. Yeah, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's unfortunate and pretty unlucky for Forge, I think. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think Forge are, are you know, uh, very professional organization and, and they're they're kind of a group of people that aren't going to make those kinds of excuses. They'll probably be the first ones to say that, yes, this is something that happened. But again, as you mentioned, Mitchell, at the end of the day, they didn't do enough to score another goal. You know, Forge would rarely have been happy with a one nil win anywhere. So if, even at the end of the day, if that had counted or, or had been, you know, clearly spotted, then 
they still would have felt like they wanted another goal or two to, to properly comfortably win that game. And that's not something that happens. So, you know, it, it is what it is and you kind of move on with it. So I, yeah, and before we do move on from this match, it was the final Pride match of the season um, as Atletico Ottawa hosted their soccer is for everyone night in partnership with You Can Play. But yesterday, the league kicked off our Play As You Are Pride jersey auction presented by Volkswagen. Until Sunday, September 25th, you have a chance to bid on one-of-a-kind Pride-themed CPL jerseys signed by a player from your favorite team. Those kits include Chris Manella, Christian Oxner, Cairo Kaur, Noah Jensen, Dominic Zator, Mason Trafford, Josh Hurd, and Brett Levi's. All proceeds from the auction will be donated to the Canadian Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity, who have a mission to empower gender and sexually diverse communities through education, research, and advocacy. Head over to canpl.ca slash pride for more details and to place your bid. Um, some you know incredible looking jerseys there, certainly, and as we said, signed by the players themselves. So um, get over there and you know, get your bids in, but let's bring on uh, Benedict Rhodes as we move on in this show um, for probably the biggest match of this weekend in terms of what the result did for the standings. Valor taking on Pacific. Um, Benny, this was a big, big result for Valor, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Valor, it wasn't a must-win game for Valor in terms of, you know, if they if they lost, they weren't eliminated from making the playoffs, but, you know, it would have been a lot harder if they had lost this game, of course, and you know, picking up three points on the team directly above them in the table, now just five points back after winning this game against Pacific is was absolutely crucial for this team, and and that's exactly what they ended up doing. And uh, today's guest on the show, Rocker Romeo, will uh, as we'll see in a second, scored a pretty pretty emphatic goal, I guess it's probably fair to say, um, and then got a got choke slammed by Nassim Mekadesh for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a it was a nice 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 goal, nice nice win for Valor, and, and three huge points for them. Yeah, three massive points for them. I said the word again, didn't I? Uh, yep, sure did. <laughs> three big points a, for Valor. Yeah, there's a penny but, uh, in the massive jar. Yeah, we don't we don't make uh, that much money. We'll put the pennies. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben, as as you mentioned, Valor come into this home game and they're outplaying the champions really for most of it. Uh, obviously, there's there's factors there. Pacific just got back from Costa Rica from uh, an emotional week down there, which we'll talk about later, but. At the end of the day, this is a game where Valor's backs are kind of against the wall uh, and they maybe go into halftime feeling like they're playing better but haven't finished any of their chances or anything like that. So, Benedict, what was kind of the sense that you got from them, from Phil Dos Santos on just kind of how they managed to sort of continuously force Pacific back to get more of those attacking opportunities and eventually put one away and, and claim these three points? Yes, pretty much the exact words Phil Santos used. Said they're they're better at halftime. He thought he felt and and you know as as the game progressed and as they got into halftime, he he sort of challenged the team and sort of said you know you guys are, are playing well. If you keep going, the goal will come. And uh, eventually it did come. And and uh, you know Val were, uh, were rewarded for for their efforts in the first half and uh, a little bit nervy maybe in the second half as they they weren't able to find a second goal and really put it to bed. But uh, for the most part, you know they they were very very good in this game and and. Also, shout out to Cal Murphy for you know making it a lot better than Pacific maybe should have been in this game. Yeah, let's hear those exact words from Phil DeSantos uh, after the win against Pacific. Coming out of, of a, a game that wasn't wasn't very good uh, at home against Edmonton, it was important to come in well, and we did. And um, the guys got into halftime where I felt we were the best team, and. You know, I challenged them to uh, to step in the second half and, and keep doing what they were doing and that the goal would come. Um, and, and it came. And then it was, you know, we had the best chances, maybe a chance to uh, to get the second, and um, it didn't come. So obviously it gets a bit nervy at the end, but I think that we felt like things were controlled and without too much threat from Pacific, we... We were able to get a few breaks and 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 have chances um, to kill the game. Uh, apart from that, uh, the guys, it's congrats because they were challenged this week a lot. Yeah, challenged this week a lot, and going to be a challenge for Valor going forward as they try to stay in this playoff race. And you know, there there's really isn't much margin for error from the Winnipeg side so far. So with that in mind, you know, there isn't much of a chance to 
really tweak your roster in a big way. You want to stick with a very consistent group. And one of the maybe surprising decisions Phil DeSantos has made down the stretch um, so far is to go with a young goalkeeper, Ryan Yesley, who, you know, evidently is now starting over last year's Canadian Premier League goalkeeper of the year, Jonathan Sirwa. Uh, Benny, your thoughts on, on that decision from Phil and maybe what his thinking is um, in that? Yeah, he said a few press conferences in a row now, you know, stop asking me about Ryan Yesley and Jonathan Sirwa. Uh, That's why we're asking you, Benny. Oh, exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> he, he kind of says, like, you know, Ryan has the hot hand at the moment. He's been, he's been very good. There's no reason to justify taking him out of the lineup. Um, and I also wonder if there's, you know, uh, a look at next season, you know, with only a few games left in this year, right? Like, Yesley's under contract for next year. I think we expect Jonathan Sirwa to go back to CF Montreal uh, and, and stay there this time. <laughs> and... Um, I think that's maybe partly what Phil Zantz is doing is, you know, getting Yesley these, these minutes under his belt again and again to, you know, prepare him to, you know, likely, I think, be the starter next season. Yeah, and that's the uh, the right thing to do. Probably, obviously, he is blessed with having two very good goalkeepers who can play at this level. But at the end of the day, Valor will need a goalkeeper next year. And Jonathan Ciro will probably be on an MLS bench at the very least next year because we know how good he is, too. Um but maybe what of Pacific? I, I know that they're not going to make excuses for this game. It's the last thing they're going to do, but I will. Uh, they had one of the most emotional you know, evenings in club history on Tuesday down in Costa Rica, playing a very, very difficult game uh, against Herediano, losing on penalties and, and a heartbreaker, and then they have to travel all the way up to Winnipeg. They're still on the road the whole time, and after being in Halifax just a weekend before then, they've been on the road a lot. So I know there's a lot of travel in the Canadian Premier League, but maybe not quite at that level most of the time. And, and again, not with such an emotional match. And the other thing is that, you know, they played with 10 men for about 90 minutes in the, the last two games they played heading into this. Uh, but Benedict, what did you make of Pacific in this game? And, and you know, were they just maybe a step off the pace for it? I think so. I don't think it's, it's anything of huge concern for Pacific. I think, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of tired legs on that team. Uh, no Manny Aparicio, no Sean Young, no Abdu Samake, three players who, who probably would have played in this game, uh, at least in some capacity. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's just a matter of, you know, tired legs and, 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 and maybe not being at the, the mental sort of concentration, I guess, after, after playing such you know, big games back to back to back like that. Yeah. Let's hear from Pacific head coach, James Merriman on his, his thoughts on the match. It's um, difficult. We we were we looked tired. Um, we looked we looked fatigued. We our decision making. Um, we tried to to come in at halftime and and speak about it and change things and uh, didn't really change to be honest. Um, and we didn't find uh, our way into the match and. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. It's a disappointing game for us. It's not an excuse. Uh, it's a reality that, that we were tired. We looked like we hit a wall and, and we couldn't find solutions. We couldn't find a way through it. So uh, it's a disappointing performance from us. Just a five-point uh, gap between the the two sides now as well. And, you know, as, as Pacific and any of these clubs know now, all these games are very important, and that's exactly what goalkeeper Callum Irving said after the match. Every game in this league is important, um, you know. I think last year we saw we were near the top and then we had a bad stretch and all of a sudden we were fighting to, to get in the playoffs. So um, we know that every game matters and we know that every point matters and especially when you're playing against a team that's directly in competition with you for uh, a playoff spot. So we knew tonight uh, or this afternoon was a big one um, and we knew we couldn't draw points. Uh, but unfortunately, they, they pushed harder than us. Um, they created more... They won more second balls, and um, we paid the price in the end. Yeah, and speaking of very important games, and Benedict will keep you around for this, Valor have a couple of, I almost used the word, a couple of very <laughs> big <laughs> and important matches coming up in their schedule uh, midweek on Wednesday and again on Sunday against Forge, you know, a club who are ahead of them, have some games in hand, but are one of those top four teams right now that, Valor is very much trying to displace. And again, any game right now matters if you're Valor, if you're any of these top four teams in terms of both, again, getting that home playoff um, date in terms of, you know, the regular season title. And then at the same time, you know, wanting to obviously make the playoffs outright if you're Valor as well. 
Uh, I guess, Benny, just your your general thoughts going into this match of where the two sides are and, um, you know, what uh, what will be so critical to, to the results. Yeah, these, these are, I think, the two most important games of Valor's season. I think, you know, they're going to want at least three points. They probably want more like four or six. Well, they, obviously, they obviously want that, but I mean, they'll, they'll probably need more like four or six. Um, Forge, maybe uh, a little bit of a wounded animal, maybe, after, you know, a loss and, and a draw and, and they're going to want to turn things around as well. They're going to want at least three or six points from, this, from these two games. So uh, I think it'll be exciting. Two teams who, who really need some points and and Forge looking to, you know, all but secure a playoff spot and Valor, uh, you know, trying to take advantage of a midweek game and, and a game in hand above some of the teams above them. So uh, these, these games, are, I'm not going to use the word, but they'll be, they'll be sizable uh, in terms of <laughs> the, the rest of their season. And uh, definitely very, very important. Enormous and colossal in all of those words. This is one of arguably the most important weeks in Valor Football Club's history oh, yeah. with these home games coming up. Uh, Forge specifically are, are a very difficult team to play against, as we've seen. But after these two home games, they've only got one more at home left, and that's against Atletico Ottawa a couple weeks after because uh, Valor finished the season with three straight on the road, which is a very difficult way to end the season if you're in a playoff race. So they will be quite desperate for points. We've seen in the past this week uh, or this year that Valor actually match up kind of well against Forge with their transitional play. They beat them at Tim Hortons field. And then the last time at Tim Hortons field, I think they scored first again. I uh, just maybe couldn't hold them off that time, but uh, I don't know what I'm expecting from these games. Again, Forge are not likely to <laughs> sit back and, and they're probably not likely to look as, sluggish as they have in some of their more recent games against especially against york and against ottawa but uh i don't know where where would we where would we put valor's playoff chances at the moment heading into this really really difficult couple of games before they go back on the road i think they're they're still on the outside looking in i think you know they're it'll, it'll be a tough stretch they also have to play uh i think calvary and ottawa as well in these last seven games of the season so it'll, it'll be difficult um but i mean you know, I think it was Rocco Romeo or Romeo, sorry, who's going to be on our show hopefully soon. Uh, that said that you know they don't they don't fear anybody in this league. They don't they don't care who they're playing. They they know they can go out and they can get a result, and they have the talent and the players available to them to be able to go and get a result like that. And and I think you know that's the kind of mentality you want to see towards the end of the season. Uh, Phil DeSantos as well has kind of challenged his team and said, if you're not up for this part of the season, then you're in the wrong career. I think is what he said a couple weeks ago. Like you're not you're not supposed to be part of my team if you're not going to be up for these these games and. Uh, I think that'll be a huge part of of their sort of uh, mindset, I guess, going into these these last stretch of the season. It's a double-edged sword, though, isn't it, Benny? Because obviously, as you mentioned, they have some very, very difficult matches coming up. But, you know, when you're on the outside looking in, as you said, you almost want that in the sense that they can directly um, do damage to Forge, to Atletico Ottawa, all three of those games coming at home as well. And then they travel on the road to, to Cavalry, but they get the opportunity then to, um, you know, have these six point matches and not only pick up three points themselves, but take away three points from, from another side. So uh, in that sense, you know, they, they have more control over their own destiny than perhaps they could. Yeah. Also, if you if you're gonna make the playoffs, you know you're gonna to have to face these teams ahead of them in, in the table at the moment. So if you want to do some damage in the playoffs, not just not just make up the numbers in the playoffs, you know, you're gonna to want to you know test yourself against against the Forge, Cavalry, Ottawa, and, and Pacific, because you know one of them would be a potential playoff opponent. So uh, there's also an important test in that sense. And even if not for this year, then for next year as well, they're gonna be you know right up in their mix again. We, we assume. Perfect. Well, let's uh, let's take Benny out here and let's uh, let's get to our guest here um, for for this show, Rocco Romeo. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. How's uh, how's the neck doing, man? It looked like uh, Nassim slammed you pretty well uh, <laughs> after you scored that goal. Um, just your your thoughts on the celebration and also uh, you know the vibes around the team after after that big goal. Yeah, like uh, Nassim, he, he just. Threw me to the ground in it, but um, but no, like it, you could tell from the team, like it was. Well, it's a bit loud over here, sorry. No worries. Um, yeah, you know, you could tell from. The, sorry about that. Um, no, you could tell from the team, like when when the, that goal came in, it was just like a big relief from all of us. You know, it was a very um, very intense game. You know, stressful at times because um, you know it was just a matter of, of who's gonna make the first mistake early. Um, so I'm happy that 
happy that you know I can contribute to the team, but more importantly, I'm very happy for the three points and the clean sheet. Yeah, it was a pretty impressive takedown. I'm not gonna lie, but um, in terms of the the context of this win for you guys, uh, it was a very important one for you guys, right? Like to stay in the playoff race, you're only five points back now. Where is kind of the level of belief in this group at the moment, and, and how much confidence did did a win like that over obviously the reigning champions kind of add to this group? Oh, we always believed it from day one. You know, when we all came into preseason. Um, we always had the ambition and the goal to to make history with this club, and you know to be in the in the contention and like keeping you know the the gap very close. You know, puts pressure on us, but it puts the pressure on teams above us. So honestly, like I've said, like in previous interviews, um, you know, the character and the unity within the group is is top. Like it's something that um, that is really unique and something that you know can really like get push you and motivate you to go far. Um, you know, in this league, you can't take any team lightly. And, you know, you, in any game, it can be any different outcome that can come out. So, like I said, the togetherness of the team and the unity and the character that we've shown um, in yesterday's match, you know, we have to carry it forward into, into the two back-to-back games against Forge now, which are going to be very good tests for us. And, you know, speaking of tests, Pacific have obviously been a, a side that have caused you a lot of issues. I think this was only the second time um, you've ever beaten them in, in Canadian Premier League action. How big was that to get that win? And what was maybe the, the difference in this match from the previous meetings? Yeah, it was massive, honestly. Um, you know, it's good to it's good to finally get one over on them. Um, you know, credit to them. They're a very good team, very organized, very solid. Um, you know, but I think the key difference for us today was just like, you know, minimizing our mistakes. You know, in previous games, you'd see that you know, we might be a bit sloppy in our passes or, you know, we'd be too spread out sometimes or, you know, kind of like not winning our individual battles. So I think that was like really the key difference today. Um, everyone was on job. Everyone was, was to, everyone was together. And like I said, I'm just very, very proud of the boys. Yeah, uh, we have a question uh, from, from the chat here as well. Um, they're wondering what was going through your mind when you had another two big scoring chances right after uh, your goal, and have you ever had that many scoring chances in one game? Um, probably not since I was playing like house league or like rep soccer. I haven't had that many chances, but yeah, like it was, it was kind of surreal, you know. As in the moment, um, you know, I was just like, okay, like I got one. Let's just you know try and go for another one. And then, um, yeah, like credit to, to Callum on Pacific, um, two really good saves. You know, I kind of like wa- I watched back the game uh, last night, and I should have just like smashed with my laces like into the goal. But you know, it's hard it's hard to react in those moments when he made a, a top save off off the header. So credit to him for that. It looks like Charlie froze here, but uh, we'll continue with the the questions. Um, you know, you guys obviously have a have a very big series coming up uh, two matches against forge um your, your thoughts going into those games and and what will be uh very important against you know one of the the better sides in the canadian Premier league i don't know we're confident you know we're, we're very very confident the team understands the the task ahead of us so you know where we just take it day by day and we you know we stay together you know like i said the unity and the character within the group is is very high and um, everyone knows, you know, our, our situation. So, you know, there's no room for error now. So I think coming into the Forge game, you know, we, we beat them before at home. We beat them away in their home. So anything is possible on the day. Rocco, you've played more minutes as center back for this club than anybody else at the team. You've had, you know, a few different guys beside you throughout the year, whether it's it's Drew or, or Stefan or, or Nassim now or, or anybody else. Um, but... Just the last few games, I think the last five games, you've you know conceded one or fewer goals. Just how have you seen kind of the defensive structure of this team improving and coming along, and how important is that to to you guys being in the playoff race here? Yeah, it's it's important. You know, football is all about scoring goals and conceding as little as possible. So, you know, I think a job as a defender, you know, you take pride in defending, and I think um, you know, ex- like expressing that within the group and to like even to your attackers or wingers, you know, to to make the run for the team or to get stuck in or even to like kill a play, you know, it's important. So, 
you know, credit credit to the you know the whole team honestly for for staying together because it honestly starts from the front and then carries all the way down to the to the keeper. So you know, we just have to be continue to be disciplined and you know just uh, to not concede. So when we don't concede, it, the, we have a higher chance of winning the game. And Rocco, what is it like to to play for a coach like Phil DeSantos, who obviously we see it every week. He's incredibly passionate. Um, he, he's got some some great speeches and and great quotes uh, as well. Um, you know, what is it like to play for him? And obviously, in his his first full season with the club, what he's been able to to do with the group. Yeah, Phil's Phil's a top guy. You know, he was uh, he was actually a big reason of, of why I wanted to come back to Valor for for on a permanent deal. So. You know, me and him have a really good relationship. Um, you know, he takes very, very big pride and professionalism um, in, in what we do. You know, he's a perfectionist in this way, which is good because you want someone who's going to always hold hold each other accountable and um, really sets like really high demands. You know, he brings his experience from the MLS into the CPL too. So I think it was good. Uh, it was a good change for, for the club. And, you, you know, you can see the direction that we're going into now. Rocco, what does Phil say to you about kind of what, what your role is as, as a defender on this team who can join the attack sometimes? Obviously, you had a few chances in that game yesterday. Um, and, you know, you've always been a guy that's able to get in the box on set pieces. But what kind of directive do you get from Phil on, on, on how you can best contribute to that side? Um, like, we have, we have, obviously, we have our set play routines and, you know, we... Uh, we try to, you know, put the ball in the right spots, but end of the day, it's just, um, you know, maximizing the height that we have. You know, you mentioned uh, Drew, Nassim, Steph, and even like Tony. We like we're all like big guys, you know. So it, there shouldn't be any reason why we shouldn't, you know, capitalize on set pieces with the height that we have. Yeah. Thanks for, um, you know shrinking that a little bit we know what phil actually told you was like five minutes long and <laughs> had a lot of uh, a lot of soliloquies in it so we appreciate you keeping it a little briefer but uh final question here for you for you rago um you know obviously looking down the stretch here you guys at least have a bit of control over your own destiny you play forge twice you play atletico you play cavalry um what, what does that mean for you guys to be able to to kind of have things in your own hands uh over these last i think it's seven matches that's yeah, take advantage you know when we were looking at the schedule before um like you know we had a lot of home games coming up so you know we don't uh, like this is our house you know we take a lot of pride in our house and not letting anyone come come in and you know dominate us essentially um, so when we looked at the schedule, it's kind of like, you know, we look at what games we have at home, how to maximize those points out of there. And then you look at the away schedule and, you know, you see what you can grab from there. But it's like you said, the, it's in our hands. So it's for us to, us to grab. And, you know, I think what the, what the vibe is like in the locker room and even the spirit within the group, it's, it's looking very positive. So. Like I said, we're focused on Forge now for the two back-to-back games, and you know we hope to hope to maximize all the points available. Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck this week. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Rocco. Awesome, Rocco Romeo on the move during that interview, and Valor on the move uh, in the Canadian Premier League as they again uh, make the playoff race that much more interesting but speaking of teams on the move FC Edmonton have certainly been that over the past couple of weeks they have been anywhere and everywhere across this great country but uh, they finally got back home Charlie and it was a great homecoming wasn't it for them it really really was from kind of all angles to be honest all, all parts of this game it's just a, a special moment and we've seen every time they've won this year it's three times now just how much it means to this club knowing their situation and, and how the the odds are sometimes a little stacked against them. But this was a really, really impressive performance from FC Edmonton. They clearly looked much more comfortable at home. You know, Wesley Timoteo explained that they feel more comfortable at home at, at Clark Stadium because they obviously train there every day. They know the turf very well. They just feel a little bit a little bit more confident playing in, in a familiar setting. Obviously, you know, sleeping in your own bed the night before the game, which uh, it is always nice, I think, when you've been on the road for so long, especially you didn't have to get on a plane the day before, two days before. Um, but the way that Edmonton kind of in, in many ways set the tone of this match, they wanted to play out of the back very methodically. They were quite patient, looking for gaps in 
in Halifax's uh, setup. They would play some of these kind of speculative searching balls down the, the wings just to just to try out different options. But they're, for the most part, very, very, again, patient and, and slowly working their way up the pitch. The back three were, I think they played something like 80, 90 passes between just those three players in this game because they were just so you know, willing to to hold on to the ball and to cycle possession. You know, Niall Higgins was uh, very, very smart with his play. He did not miss a single pass in this game, despite playing wow. in the middle of the back three. Uh, and we saw just how, how well Edmonton did, Edmonton did to maybe take some of the transitional elements out of what Halifax wanted to do, uh, kind of not be phased by the, any kind of pressing or anything like that. And Eventually, they found their goals from you know a variety of, of situations, from a bit of quality, maybe a couple of defensive mistakes. And we'll talk about Halifax in a sec. But uh, there is quality, obviously, in this Edmonton team. Uh, Toby Warshevsky is one of the most electric players in the league to watch. Mm-hmm. He's got done some of the most special things in the CPL, and and we saw that on full display in this game. But again, just a really, really impressive result from Edmonton, and especially to hold on to a one-goal lead in the last 10 minutes of that game after conceding to make it 3-2 you know there were moments in this season where they, they concede a goal like that late and maybe they concede again very quickly they did that at york lions stadium when they took a late lead and ended up losing that game with two goals in four minutes so there was a lot of maturity and growth i think in that performance so a very impressive one from alan Koch and his men congratulations to alan Koch for 50 games in the cpl as well we should mention but you know a, a big day for the crowd at clark stadium and you know, nice to see that team rewarded for the work they've done. Charlie, you just took out all of my talking points from this game, like <laughs> one by one uh, <laughs> in my show notes here. So, uh, <laughs> no, but Alan Koch, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, 50th uh, match in charge, but also he always likes to talk about FC opportunity and how almost everyone in that club is playing for their next contract. Well, Tobias Borchewski, I think he is certainly one of those players who has more than earned his next contract, wherever that will be, whether that's in Edmonton or, or elsewhere. Aston um, Villa. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Charlie making some bold take proclamations. Take <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a lot of clubs right now that would take a player like Tobias Warshevsky because, yes, you mentioned he's had some magical moments this season. And I don't know, even yeah. know if the camera angle does that goal justice because it was absolutely incredible and easily the best goal. I mean, that's not hard to say this weekend necessarily, but one of the better goals scored in the past month in the Canadian Premier League. Um, but he also has added, and something Alan Koch will talk about, is the defensive side of his game. He is one of the most engaged players, I think, in the entire league. I think he's still leading in terms of total duels won in the league. And obviously, sometimes that means he's you know making some crazy scramble runs told, towards defenders and they're beating him. Um, but at the same time, you know, as a forward, you're, you can do that. And that constant energy has allowed Edmonton to uh, really become the counter-pressing team they are. Yeah, and that's absolutely integral to the way they play, right? They need every single player on the pitch completely bought in, especially off the ball. And that's exactly what Warshevsky has been, especially recently. He does so much running in the game. He's clearly clearly in, in very good shape. He's able to cover that much ground as a forward in the game and to still be able to make the runs that he does when you know, wingers have the ball, when fullbacks are are advancing the ball upfield. He does seem to, he kind of can drift from half space to half space. He can pick out those dangerous passes as well and you know obviously he's got a very special finish in him as well uh, but he's just such a, an important kind of kind of model for the player that FC Edmonton want to have in his side especially up front uh, Wes Timoteo spoke about him obviously very glowingly after the game he said that this is the real Toby Warshevsky we see it every day in training and you guys can see it when he scores goals like that but even aside from that we uh, we can see just you know how bought in he is to to his entire role on this team and and what he has to do off the ball to be able to create those transitional opportunities which again are kind of the main way that FC Edmonton are looking to score a lot of the time and we talked about FC Edmonton scoring but one of the ways they were able to pre- prevent goals in this match was another young keeper Darlington Murasaranwa who Evidently gets a little unlucky on that fifth goal uh, of the match where, uh, sorry, yeah. second goal Halifax scored, but fifth goal overall scored, uh, where it comes off his back after just a great strike from Jeremy Gagnon Lapare. But otherwise, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And one thing we've seen, you know, down in these last few matches in, in the Canadian Premier League is young keepers are really, really starting to to come through. And Mercer was right up there leading the charge. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just I guess the same as last weekend with a lot of these young keepers coming in and and taking these opportunities. This one is, is Marissa Ranwa against Kieran Basket. But yeah, Darlington has been really impressive. And he's, I think this is his third start of the season, I believe. And there was another game that he came in midway through, but he's a very young keeper. But it's nice to see kind of a, a local Edmonton kid getting to start between the pipes for his hometown team. Uh, and he did, he did very, very well. He's continuing to improve. And I know that this is probably something that Alan Koch has spoken about how, you know, this is a reward for the work that he does in training every day. Obviously, Andreas Weikla has been a starter for much of the year and he's very experienced and, and quite a talented shot stopper in this league. But you know, when, when you see Marissa Ranwa putting in the work that he evidently is doing in training every day, Alan Koch has said with a bunch of players this year, he feels obligated to reward them and to give them those opportunities. And Marissa Ranwa has done very, very well with these. So I think we'll only continue to see him improve and, and to maybe maybe develop more into, into somebody who could absolutely be a number one goalkeeper in the CPL. And let's go to Edmonton and get the thoughts of FC Edmonton head coach, Alan Koch. As the game was going on, I normally try not to have too many thoughts uh, because so much can happen in any instance in a game. But uh, even when they scored 3-2, I was still proud of our group. Uh, I think we showed today the progression of, of who we are uh, and what we're made of. I think the players showed how resilient they are to have got through everything we've gone through. And I think we played some good football at times today too. Um, so very, very happy. I'm proud. I'm proud of this group. Uh, I, I almost say that every single week, but I'm really, really proud of the players, the staff, everybody that's, that works for this club to, to keep things afloat. Uh, I'm incredibly proud of everybody. And as we mentioned, FC Edmonton finally back home at Clark Stadium, and they were happy to be there, certainly, as Wes Timoteo of FC Edmonton will tell you. Yeah, after uh, six uh, away games, long trip, finally got to, to play in front of our fans, felt amazing. Uh, just the energy right before the game started, everyone was hyped and, uh, to play in front of our fans, and uh, I think we showed during the game the energy that we had, and uh, thanks to the fans, we, we got the, the energy until the, the last minute, and we... We gave them a good show. Yeah, they certainly did give them a good show, but it maybe wasn't a great showing from the visitors. Halifax Wanderers, they look rejuvenated in recent weeks. Uh, a new system, um, some new players stepping up in, in different areas. And, you know, they had some bright moments in this match, but ultimately, you know, losing all three points in this game, Charlie, was that pretty close to a death knell for their playoff hopes? It might be. It might well be. Um, this is a game that they will be very, very frustrated with. Obviously, the the lineup is is quite similar to what it's been in recent weeks. That same kind of structure, same formation with the back three and the the single striker and a, a second striker playing behind him. But in this game, that's Aiden Daniels playing off Sam Salter and not mm. Fumpum one way. So that's actually quite a different look, despite it being 10 out of 11 of the same players. Uh, it ends up being a very different sort of sort of method and approach from Halifax maybe a little bit slower and, and I, this is probably the second or third time this year that Stephen Hart has said after a game that his team was lethargic with the ball uh, which is not a word that you want to be consistently using about a team but uh, yeah it's it's a, a frustrating one for them I think that they started poorly in both halves uh, they were a little bit too slow they, they really let Edmonton come at them for the early stages of both halves, they improved both times. They started to, uh, kind of after conceding in both halves, they started to to get a little bit more involved, get more of the ball. But, you know, there's a difference between the way that these teams played out of the back because they were both a little bit slow in their buildup playing between the center backs and looking for the, the fullback. But Edmonton's felt a little bit more methodical and, and Halifax has felt uh, like there were just fewer ideas, a little bit more just uh, looking for, for ambitious balls over the top or, or just kind of not being able to play through that Edmonton midfield. And they really struggled with it. They looked again, better at, at the end of the second half and they did score a goal, which was a, it, it was a, a great strike from Daniel Apparee, although it did hit the post really. Uh, but they didn't have a shot after that in that last 10 minutes, which is again, a credit to Edmonton, but still a lot to be concerned about with Halifax and just how quickly they can move the ball at the moment. Yeah. Before we move on from this match, let's hear from, Halifax Wanderers forward Samuel Salter. Uh, yeah, like Coach said, man, I think we conceded uh, uh, preventable goals, and you know we uh, got two goals away, and usually it's good enough to have a win. So, I mean, we got to be better defensively. 
let's move from Edmonton to Calgary, where our own Alexandre Gongay-Ruzek um, will join us now. And Alex, is there anything you dislike more in the world right now than Calgary weather after a second straight weather delay, um, you know, really prevented this match from, you know, starting right on time? Yeah, a bad seven days for, for lightning in Calgary. I mean, last Sunday, we get a nice little hour and a half delay at halftime, uh, which was a bit jarring, I guess, off-putting. But hey, it's just an extended halftime. Today it was over, or not today, but this weekend it was over two hours uh, right after 15 minutes of play. You saw the weather, you thought it would hold off, and then just, uh, you know, referee obviously smartly decides to to give it, uh, you know, bring the game to a halt after first 15 minutes, the cameras weren't able, even able to operate properly. So you kind of figured something was coming and then leads to this lengthy delay. But Calvary came out strong. They came out electric, almost you could say, after right. this lightning break gets this goal through Jose Escalante. Uh, and then from there, they see the, the job over the line. I think this was a big win for Calvary. I mean, the week before, Ottawa got that goal right before halftime. There was the extended break. And then Calgary were just or Cavalry, pardon me, were so flat in the, the, the second half, whereas this game they came out and they, they made sure they took advantage of the break, uh, took care of business because this was a game, uh, you know, they probably couldn't afford to lose. Things are tightening up with Valor's recent heroics, uh, you know, against Pacific, et cetera. So Cal Cavalry here getting a bit of separation, and it was uh, overall not the greatest performance. I mean, funnily enough, like they mentioned post-game, the Ottawa performance is probably better, but this is the one that they win, and at this stage of the season, that's all you can care about, right? Alex, you got there yourself, but I did want to give you just so much credit for the line in your uh, your campl.ca match recap, where you said that both teams were looking for an electric start to the game, uh, and they got it, but not in the way that they were hoping, which is just <laughs> hilarious, man. Um, but do you think that there's something something to it? Maybe that Calvary had to go through this last week as well. They were maybe a little bit more prepared to come out of the break. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something to consider. Because if you think about it, when Ottawa went through the same thing a week ago, they had gone through a similar thing against Edmonton a, a few weeks before themselves. So obviously there's something to having to sit there in, in two hours, you know, for two hours just twiddling your thumbs. I don't know, what do you do over a break like that? They're probably not allowed on their phone. So you're just literally sitting there, probably feet up against the wall, just waiting for any sort of news. So I think it, 100% it's, it's a mental battle. It's a mental grind of knowing that, in five minutes, you could be asked to kick off in two hours, and then you have to go through the warm up, and then kind of just refine your your game focus, your level. And uh, obviously, for Cavalry, we saw it; they were a whole different team this time around. They looked more committed. They looked just up for the game and, and ready. Whereas that that week ago, they just didn't look ready by the, the after the lightning break. They looked like oh, they were, you know, they, they didn't feel like it was. It, it felt like they were thrown into the game and it just restarted. Whereas this time they sat down and they'd regrouped and, and they found their legs. So I certainly think there's some sort of edge to be gleamed. Maybe this is also as much on York, maybe not being ready for this as, as much as it is about cavalry learning from their mistakes, but you could feel there was some sort of edge to, to, to be had from this break. Yeah, there's some uh, conspiracy theories going on in the chats about uh, the the delays being an attempt to drive up beer sales. I'm not sure that the <laughs> Calvary has any sort of control over the weather. That'd be quite impressive. But, uh, you know, one of the things that obviously they've talked about this year is is controlling the external or not controlling the external factors, but adapting well to external factors, maybe like a delay like this. Um Alex, you know, they're getting an opportunity here to to kind of experience that firsthand uh, over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's a, some adversity doesn't hurt, I think, ahead of the playoff run because everything was going so well for them earlier in the, the early summer when they were on the 11-game undefeated run. Everything was coming up cavalry. They're scoring for fun. Arabin Pepples leading the line. Ali Moosey's unplayable. I know everything's just clicking for them. And then that kind of funnily enough started all with a one nil loss at home to York where you kind of realize like, Oh, they're not necessarily invincible anymore. And I mean, that's soccer. It's a competitive league. There are good teams across the league. It's going to be hard to win, uh, you know, a lot of games in a row like that, but you could kind of tell their standards and not necessarily slipped, but they, they weren't getting the results in the same way they'd, had some very uncharacteristic cavalry games such as the 3-0 at home against you know Ottawa kind of game that 
that is very not like cal- calorie. Yet if that happens in the playoffs, it could be debilitating for them. So to come out, uh, you know, in this manner against York and uh, to get a result despite the circumstances, those are the sorts of results they need to see to a, I guess, confirm their playoff spot officially. Sh- when and should that happen? Because Valor again making things interesting, and then those are the sorts of again results you need to be able to grind out in the big games. Yeah, let's hear from Calvary head coach Tommy Wilden Jr. Terrific. Um, these games have been, they've been one-goal one games for the majority. Uh, you know, Martin's added a lot of good things to that team. And, you know, Babuli, he's got, he's got options. He's, you know, changing things. And that's good. And, you know, you know, give him his time, he'll be competitive. I thought we should have had a penalty first off. I thought, you know, uh, you know Jose got rugby tackled. But sometimes I think the officials can get caught into the other stuff he does. And we didn't get it. So we said, right, it can't be about officials. Play to the whistle. We've got to make sure we take things into our hands. And, and we did. And I thought it was a terrific battle. And uh, Calvary midfielder Charlie Trafford also talked about adapting after this match. I don't think our form's been bad. We had, last week, obviously, the result doesn't go our way, but we look at that game back on our performance, and we think we, I don't want to say dominate, it's hard to say that when you lose 3-0, but we played, I, we were pleased with our performance, especially in the first half, one of our better halves. So we just needed to look at that, that performance and how we can build on that, what we needed to change, and today we go and do that. And then we had to adapt and overcome and, and, and be a bit ugly today. You know, you go and sit in the locker room for two hours. It's not easy. And that's one of the strengths in our group. You know, we, we adapt and overcome. It's words we kind of live by in the group. Um, we knew we were going to have to come out. There's going to be ugly moments. We're going to have to defend. Um, I don't want to say a sigh of relief. There's a team, that's a team obviously we've struggled with this year, but that we, we think we should beat comfortably. So, um, yeah, happy to get that and get, move on from that one. Just quickly on York then, uh, they obviously looked amazing in Hamilton last weekend with that big win and you know playing with a similar structure with Mobabuli in, in that sort of 10 role. Alex, what did you make of them in this game? Because I don't think it was by any means a, a poor performance from them, just they can't find the goal, right? I thought it was, if anything, it was pretty good. I think, you know, especially the way they rallied and pushed right to the end. I mean, I think on another day, if they're not coming up against Marco Carducci, you know, maybe Sebastian Gutierrez just takes an extra second or, you know, picks out his spot on that that breakaway, they at least get a point, if not three. I think York, throughout the game, they were showing good signs offensively. And I think this shows how good of a signing this Mobabuli one was. Because, I mean, when first brought in, it was a bit curious in the sense that, very good number nine in the CPL, but you already have a very good number nine in Ozazi Di Rosario. Like, is this going to be a partnership? You know, are they going to lead the line together? Is Bully going to run the channels like he always used to do at, at Forge? But it was impressive to watch him play for, for York because he's just everywhere. He's, he's kind of in this free role as the number 10, just dropping as deep as the center backs and pushing as far up as uh, Di Rosario. And I think that's really added another dimension to their attack that wasn't there in past viewings of them. Uh, you know, earlier this season. So I think if he they can use him as a link player going forward, finally get all their wingers healthy and back, you know, get continue to have that solid spine at the back, it seems like Babuli could kind of be that missing link that they had because when they were at their best this year, they were very good defensively. It was just the attack was missing that, that something. And the good news is they've appeared to find that something in uh, the form of Mobabuli. Yeah, let's hear from York United head coach Martin Nash just to stimulate the offense um, and take a risk and put more numbers in the attack. Uh, to be quite honest, I thought, uh, you know, I thought defensively we were quite good today. Um, but, you know, once we went down a goal, you had to take some risk. And uh, I was toying with a few ideas, but I decided to go, because we have um, some good players that play in the pockets, I decided to go with, put Mikey in the pocket there and, and sacrifice Noah and, and get someone higher at the pitch. And I, I think it worked as far as creating chances, um, but we just weren't able to find the equalizer. And let's uh, let's take a look at the standings now. As Charlie takes a look over his back at something, trying to trying to hide during that clip, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my door just fell off its hinges. It's fine. Ah, nice. Yeah. We, <laughs> anyway, we, we we were going so smoothly in this show. <laughs> something had to happen. But um, yeah, taking a look at the standings now, maybe a little more separation at the top, but also uh, you know taking the games in hand as well. And uh, with Valor, you know making that congested as well. The the race is truly on, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, Valor is the team in particular that I'm super intrigued about because it feels like at this point the race kind of hinges on them making a race because uh, I think at this point York and Halifax, 
never say never. I mean, 11, 12 points, it's not unrealistic, but it's very, very far-fetched. Valor just five points behind, and their next two games really could decide their season. Forge twice at home. You win one of those games or, you know, win one, draw one, win both. Uh, all of a sudden, you're tied with Forge or, you know, very much in the mix with with that that top four. So with, with Valor, they've got it laid out interestingly in the fact that they play, I think, three of the top four teams at home in their last uh, couple of home games, it means the race is wide open for, you know, at least a couple of more weeks. And I think that's going to be fascinating from that regard. And then, you know, no matter what happens with the top four, just the way it's going to be seeded with the new two-legged playoffs, et cetera, some of the matchups, like imagine what a Cavalry Ottawa matchup could look Mm -hmm. like just as an example, Uh, you know, or Forge Ottawa or some of these potential matchups. Very early to be talking about playoff matchups, of course, but there's just so many layers to that top four battle as well as Valor potentially making it a, a top five battle, uh, depending what they do against Forge, because it uh, feels like that Forge two game back to back home game set could really make or break the Valor's ability to make this a, a top five race down the stretch. Absolutely. And let's look at the next leg of that race and how you can get involved in all the action through the CPL predictor presented by Come On. And as always, head over to canpl.ca slash predictor to get your shouts in ahead of this weekend's matches where you can win weekly prizes, a number of exciting prize draws as well. Um, there'll be no prizes for Charlie and Alex, unfortunately, but I am going to ask them to uh, make some predictions here. And Alex, I'm going to I'm gonna give you the tough one here um, and be ruthless. Uh, Valor versus Forge Wednesday. We'll take the Wednesday matchup. I won't make you do both. Um, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, Valor at home, they've seemed to thrive in these sorts of big games there uh, as of late when the the season's on the line. They've been very good defensively at home. I mean, Forge has been been good on the road, but uh, I'm going to give Valor the narrow edge just to make things interesting in the playoff race. You just feel like it's going to go down to the wire, uh, isn't it? Feel wrong to have a a boring, straightforward top four race. So uh, I'm giving Valor the narrow edge if I'm going to put a score on it. Let's say a good. 2-1, 2-1, something just to to stoke the fires and, and really make things good in the stretch run. I like that, Alex, making the the uh, prediction for the neutrals here. Um, on Friday, obviously, Atletico, they take on FC Edmonton. Um, that is an opportunity for FC Spoiler to to play their role at once again. As, uh, like I said, they have a number of games against big clubs down the stretch, so they can pick up any points against any of them. It could be big. Um, looking ahead to saturday and sunday now um pacific they take on um they take on york in a pretty big match charlie let's get your thoughts on this one because um you know obviously pacific they they themselves really need to win right now don't they yeah they do i think they'll be back at home they'll be a little more well rested and they'll be very hungry to kind of shift their focus fully to this run in in the league so i think that this is uh you know a, a 3-1 for pacific there you go and um, one final game I do want to mention here outside of the Canadian Premier League, and that is the League One Ontario final between Vaughn Azuri and Blue Devils FC. That is September 3rd, um, a 1 p.m. kickoff at the Ontario Soccer Centre in Vaughn. So you're going to want to get out and watch, you know, maybe some players who very shortly will be in the Canadian Premier League or who have been in the Canadian Premier League in the past uh, playing in that match, um, you know, League One Ontario doing some great things this year and and have been doing some great things so um, get out and support that match but that brings us to the end of our show don't forget to get your bids on in the your bids in in the CanPL play as you are auction presented by Volkswagen and have no fear Christian Jack he'll be back next week on the show we think so um, but Charlie and I have uh, definitely enjoyed spending the past few Mondays with you and we hope you've enjoyed them as well thanks again to Rocco Romeo of Valor for joining the show on behalf of Alex Gongay-Ruzik, Benedict Rhodes, Charlie O'Connor-Clark, the entire CanPL newsroom, I'm Mitchell Tierney, and we'll talk to you next week.